Warning, there are a few curse words in this episode. It was March 2020, and my band Tulengua had just put out a new album. This is actual audio of the show, from an iPhone video taken by our sound designer Emily at our album release show in downtown San Diego. The place was packed. We were having an amazing time on stage. The audience was dancing. We were dancing. People were singing along with the lyrics. It felt magical. All the work, all the time, all the things my band and I had been working on for super long were finally getting out into the world. We, we basically had just finalized our... Not even just album and like put it out, but it was just kind of like we finalized what it was to like complete an album as a band, like with that like unification. This is my bandmate, my sister, someone I love very much, the woman who made me a godfather and a true force of nature, Amari Jordan. That was an awesome experience. We all hugged, we cried, you know, it was a deep moment for us all. It was kind of like the start of a new uh, venture. So that, that first show was just... It felt like an echo chamber in a way because it was like everything was just like lining up and then all of a sudden it just ceased to exist. Everything just stopped. Because at that very moment in March of 2020, the pandemic became the new reality for our border region and the rest of the planet. It felt like the whole entire world shut down pretty much the day after our show. We direct a statewide order for people to stay at home. Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans into virtual lockdown. Stay at home, that is the order tonight from four state governors. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home, that's 40 million people. As Daniel Backus reports for us tonight with nothing to do and nowhere to go, the Golden State is in shutdown mode. All the shows we had booked to promote our new album canceled. And within weeks, the border was closed. In exactly two hours from now, the border will shut down to non-essential traffic in an attempt to slow the spread of coronavirus. Suddenly, our binational, bilingual band with members on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border was about to be physically separated by the border wall. And me and my bandmates, Amari and Jaime Mora, we ended up being separated way longer than we could have ever predicted. So I do remember that first show just kind of being like, this is it, this is the start, you know? And then, you know, it just, it just happened the way it did. I couldn't believe it. I think it was just like a, I don't know, like a, ¿cómo se dice? Like, like, yeah, like, it's not happening. Like, come on. I'm Alan Liliental. And I'm Natalie Gonzalez. And from KPBS and PRX, this is Port of Entry. Where we tell cross-border stories that connect us. 
We've got more about my band's border story right after the break. No se vayan a ningún lado porque ahorita volvemos. Volvemos. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Y estamos de regreso. All right, good morning. My name is Jaime Mora. We are in Tijuana right now. We're about to cross the international border on a Monday. <laughs> on a busy Monday, yeah. Because of COVID rules at the U.S.-Mexico border crossing, my bandmate Jimmy wasn't allowed to cross into the U.S. for almost two years. And when the restrictions finally ended in November and Jimmy could finally cross the border again, we wanted to be there with him. Alan. Tú ibas manejando, and our producer Kinsey was recording you in the passenger seat, y Jimmy and I were in the back seat. We are in Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico. We're driving down the street, I don't know what the name is, but we are heading to the line so we can cross the border. That's what we're doing right now. And so Jimmy, this is the first time you've crossed since the pandemic? Yeah, it's been almost like two years. So it's kind of like a new thing, to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while. So yeah, when the pandemic hit, Jimmy was on the U.S. side of the border in San Diego for our album release show. And from San Diego, that's about an hour and a half drive to get back to Jimmy's home in Rosarito, Mexico. But you ended up staying, Jimmy ended up staying with a, like in, in the U.S. for like, month for like so. a month because we didn't know... I mean, we just had no idea what was going on with the border. Like, it was, like, supposed to be closed and kind of open. We didn't know when it was, like, if, if, if he left, if he was going to be able to come back. So he just, like, we're like, let's just wait it out. The pandemic will probably be over in a couple weeks. So Jimmy stayed at my house for, like, a month. And then after that, we were, like, we realized that, we realized that he, there was, <laughs> this thing else going on. Long term. I tend to not take things too seriously until they're like really present in my life for some reason. So I just thought it was kind of like this media thing. I think a lot of people, it's just like overblown, exaggerated thing. And I think that was the general feeling at the show. Like we were, everyone was kind of making jokes about it, sharing joints. There was like a 30 person joint circle. <laughs> I made like, I made, a, I made fun of COVID on stage and like we had a COVID chant. It was just like... What were you chanting? I think it was fuck COVID, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not proud of it now in retrospect, but, but but it was like the second or third day I'd even heard of COVID, probably. You know, and like, it was like this thing, this like, 
oh yeah, it's like it's happening on the other side of the world. And it was, it just didn't really seem very real. It definitely did not feel in any way serious or the gravity of it was not felt by anyone at that show. But a few days after that show, things got really real. Way too real. We were told we had to quarantine. <laughs> so it was like, oh shit. We heard like about the COVID and like the border might be closing. We're like, honestly, like just, just he was just gonna stay and send. I mean, he had stayed for like a week or two in the past, but this was like a month and a half that he stayed because we really thought in a couple of weeks we had a few shows planned, like a month and a half. We're like, I mean, fuck it, we'll practice, we'll record. The border will open again in a couple of weeks. It'll be chill. I think after that, like towards the end of that, Jimmy staying when it was like a month and a half into the into the pandemic, and we realized like any it wasn't really stopping anytime soon. Yo, do you remember that time we went to Walmart to buy stuff? It was chaos. Yeah, Walmart was when the gravity of the situation really sunk in for us. On our drive to the border to get Jimmy home, we stopped there to get him stocked up before crossing back. It was like, ¿Te acuerdas, Jaime? It was like, people like just were panicked. Yeah, like people were like just moving. The way there were people were moving through the aisles and stuff, like, you know, getting stuff because it was like the first couple days of the pandemic. It was just this air of like doom where people didn't, people had no idea what was like what was happening or like how serious this thing was. So, so like just, yeah, it was just like an odd feeling in that Walmart where like not only was it empty and like a lot of things just feel, it felt like you're used to seeing, again, consumerism. You go to these stores and they're like overstocked like stuff to the ceiling so the fact that it was like pretty empty and you just have the bones of it so our thinking was pues quien sabe who knows how things are in Tijuana in terms of the supermarkets so our thinking was like well Tijuana must be chaotic Jaime and I went to to like buy stuff so that Jaime could take to Tijuana so that he at least like at least he'd be stocked for a few weeks I honestly like I thought I would see him again in a few weeks, but I didn't. We didn't know. At, th at this point, it was like far enough into the pandemic where we're like, dude, I might not see you for a while. Like you weren't going to be able to work. So it was like, we didn't know how long you weren't yeah. going to like have money in your pocket. Yeah, that sucked. At this point, Jaime, who I also call Jimmy, he was actually pretty sick. Maybe with COVID, maybe not, we don't know. And we will never know. But I just remember he was coughing and having a hard time breathing because he has asthma. No. Yeah, so after Walmart, I drove him to the San Isidro port of entry and we said our goodbyes for what we thought was going to be a few weeks at most. In those days, like, when they said the border was closed, people really respected that and it was like, okay, we're not, we're not crossing. So even though Jimmy was sick and I wanted to, like, we... Uh, you know, Jimmy was at my house and his health was like, he was, he was really just not feeling good. I couldn't cross the border because I didn't know, like, I didn't know if I was going to be able to come back. So we, ha I had to drop him off in San Isidro and he walked across. Yeah, that was like the walk of hell because I had like so many bags and my breath was just like, like I just couldn't like, I don't know how to respirar bien. So every five steps I would like just get so tired and it was like the longest walk ever. Tulengua was officially separated by the border in that moment. 
We were, but again, I thought, and we all thought, it was just going to be a little blip in time. Mm. Like, we'd be back at band practice in un mes, dos meses, pero máximo. Yeah, but of course that didn't happen, and in part because of privilege. Yeah, so the border closure actually was all about status. Like, I eventually figured out that because I'm a binational citizen mm. with passports in both the U.S. and Mexico, same. I could cross the border no problem. Yeah, it's the same with me. And I was able to keep crossing too since I'm a binational citizen too. Pero our dear Jaimito is a Mexican citizen. And in pre-pandemic times, he could cross the border whenever he wanted with his tourist visa. But it was precisely these people like Jimmy, Mexican citizens, and only Mexican citizens with tourist visas who were not allowed to cross anymore. And the rest of Jimmy's family was in the same boat. Yeah, and actually when the pandemic hit, Jimmy's mom was in the U.S. And she knew that if she crossed back to Mexico, she wouldn't be allowed to cross back. So rather than lose her job at a Mexican restaurant, she decided to stay in the U.S. to work. I didn't see my mom like for the longest. How long did she stay over there? For more than a year? Uh, yeah, more than a year. Oh, so you didn't see her? Yeah, I didn't see her for more than a year. That was the longest you were nursing your mom, huh? See. How did that feel? Weird. Like, just weird. Yeah, I can't describe it. I just feel. Yes, I did, in a way. I know she was doing good. I was just worried about the COVID thing, like she getting sick. And on top of that constant worry, like a lot of folks in the pandemic, perdió su trabajo. Mm -hmm. Jimmy lost his job. I wasn't just working because like my job is like giving surf lessons and stuff, like one, one part of it. So like people couldn't come. Like, there was no, no job at all. So I ended up like not working for some months. So what were you doing during those months when you weren't working? Just eating, getting depressed. I was so depressed for some time. I, I really felt alone. Okay. Like I, I felt alone, I do remember that. And yeah, just making music, like sad music. This is the last motherfucker. This melancholic song we're listening to right now is something Jimmy made during the time. It's called Rolling High. It's a track he made with his friend Ruben, but for the first time ever during this time in the pandemic, Jimmy started becoming more serious about his solo music. playing stuff and just eating greasy food. It felt like a vacation type of thing for a bit. But then I started like feeling it, you know? Ya no veía mucho a... Ya no, ya, casi no hablábamos, ¿verdad? Llegó un tiempo que no hablábamos. Like we stopped talking. Not because of anything happened, just we're both not good at phone communication. Yeah. 
Pero, pero se empezó a sentir más como, God. And my best friend too, I couldn't see her. I, I, I remember she was doing pretty bad, like on her health. And I couldn't visit her at all. I couldn't do anything. She lives in Yeah. Because of COVID. Because of COVID, yeah. But she was battling cancer too, no? Sí. And so you got to be very careful with people. Yeah, sí. And that kind of like took a toll of me too. Um, eso. ¿Qué más? Sí, todo se amontonó. Like my mom thing, like I was feeling it too. I was just worried. Jimmy's best friend, Marce, ended up passing away from cancer early on in the pandemic. So how, how did you cope with her passing away? I haven't, I think. Like, I still, still have my stuff. But a lot goes on, like, I'm going through it. I channel it like to, through music a lot. Let's we'll see. Um, yeah, I learned that too. Como a descubrirme musicalmente as, as, a, as a being. Because I wasn't with, with them anymore, you know? Como creo que mi rol en la banda was, it was different. Okay. I was like a, like a kid, kind of. So todo este proceso me ayudó a madurar mucho. So you started to, to find your essence, maybe? Oh, my essence is pretty much like becoming a an artist, se puede decir, como como yo, sabes, como yeah. yeah, I don't know how to put it in words, but yeah. No, I understand. That happened. Um, bueno, siempre me gustó hacer ejercicio. That's the thing. Like I always been at, active. Like not in like in a consistent way, but I've been like surfing or skating or I don't know, just moving. Yeah, yeah. I like to move. Because if I don't, I go crazy. Me desespero. So, yeah. Eso pasó, like, right after my friend died. And I had, like, this relationship, too, back then. And it ended up, like, in the same week. So everything, okay. Yeah, everything just, like, it was like a bomb. So, yeah, Jimmy says it felt like his whole life exploded. His best friend, his band, his girlfriend, all the things he loved the most were not there. But eventually his aunt took him with her to a small town about three hours south of Ensenada. It's a rural, quiet place where there's not much to do. Jimmy was helping his aunt with her business and still pretty depressed. Yeah, but there just happened to be a gym across the street from where he was staying. And since Jimmy couldn't surf or skate, one day he decided to work out. And that moment changed his life. And his buddy, too. (laughs) Yeah, he's ripped now. He is ripped. No, but I, I get it. The exercise truly helped him process all those difficult things. I like the pain. I like the pain because it just makes me feel like I'm alive. Uh, I like being strong. That's one thing too. And I believe like it helps me to channel energy. And whenever like I start feeling like 
emociones negativas o fuertes, que es all of the stuff I've been through, como que me ayuda a, a como, like, just stabilize. So, yeah. So you were using exercise to cope with everything, pretty much. Yeah, therapy, yeah. Things got better for Jimmy. And things got even better when his mom finally came home. Before the pandemic, it seems like such a staple of your life is like waking up and your mom's making food. And it's like, oh. it's such a comforting thing. Like going going to Rosarito the first few times, me and Amari would, to visit Jimmy, it was like, that was one of the most heartwarming parts of it. Like getting there and like Jaime's mom is cooking something and it smells so nice while we're making music. And it's just like this very comforting feeling. And I'm sure not having it for a year and a half. Yeah, it was a trip. Como se sintió un poquito más amortiguado el golpe porque ya estaba afuera, ¿sabes? O sea, estaba en tu casa y también estábamos en playas. So I was just like doing my own thing. Pero ya cuando ya nomás no pasaba, si era como, oh man, these beans are trash. <laughs> I mean, they're good, pero I mean, como la, la comida, like, it's just, I just missed it. Okay, so Alan, this is a voice memo by you. And this is how you handled being separated from your band by the border. Yes, and we'll get into exactly how it changed me and my music and how it changed my bandmate, Amari, too. Nice. After a very quick break. No, no se muevan. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Y ya volvimos con ustedes. Oh, man. I can't even believe how, like, the, to the degree, like, how differently I related to myself before the pandemic. Yeah, so anyone who knows Alan knows that music is the center of his whole universe. Yes. Yeah. And when live music stopped because of the pandemic mm -hmm. and my band couldn't get together because of the closed border, Ay. it really shook me up. Ay, pobrecito. Why, why are you making fun of me? Ay, I'm going to clean your tears, poor baby. Nah, just kidding, man. Anyway... So you you got real and vulnerable that day in the car when we were crossing the border with Jimmy and you shared exactly how it shook you up. I've had anxiety my whole life, but I think before the pandemic and having so much time to spend with myself, which was hard a lot of the time because you, you have to really realize that like 
a lot of the things you blame other people for or like that you blame situations for is like something you carry inside um so before like say i would get anxious and then that i pile like guilt on top of like why are you feeling anxious like what do you have to complain about like and then guilt would come on top of that and it's like it's this like never-ending layers of of like judgment and like really self-hatred like self self-criticism self self-negativity right like it would keep piling up on top of the other and while that still gets triggered in me so i can see like how i used to relate now i can way more easily be nice to myself and just be kind to myself and that's the biggest change in everything because that, that changes how you relate to everything to everything so yeah i used a lot of that downtime in the pandemic to deal with all the mental health stuff. Yes, we should all deal with mental health stuff. Yes, and it actually helped me evolve my relationship to music. Talk to me a little bit more about how it changed. Well, before COVID, I was really using music to fill a void, get love from other people, avoid feeling lonely. Because I was always felt like I was good at music, so it felt like that was the way that I needed to get approval and love from other people. Hmm. But when I started addressing my anxiety and my depression, and I couldn't play music for other people, it made me realize I could give it to myself and find love for myself. That's beautiful. And it made music a lot more fun and freeing. So yeah, just like Jimmy, for the first time in my life during the pandemic. I ended up using my alone time to write and record solo music too. And this banger we are listening to right now is called Soft Plans. It's one of those songs Alan wrote during the time. Now the music that is being made, and I, I know Jimmy feels the same way, um, because we had to learn this on our own. It's like, oh wow, like the, I'm, I'm making music from a state of place of health and from a place of wholeness, and it just makes it feel so much better because you're not relying on music like like on, as a crutch or as a drug to to fill to fill like an empty void. So that was Kinsey talking with my bandmate Amari and Amari's baby, my godson. Because at the album release show, Amari was actually five months pregnant. Mm, yes, and at that show, she was already preparing herself 
to have to take a bit of time off from the band. Like I had already been anticipating like being on lockdown mode if you know, like as a mom, like as a mom in general, I already knew that was coming, but to, for it to be like, not even forced, but <laughs> for it to be at the level it was at, I don't think I was ready for that. So Amari was a new mom, separated not only from her band, but really from everyone. Damn. Yeah, and she says the experience was really, really hard. You know, being being a new mom and all that, and like the experience of like ha baby showers and 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 you know having my family present while I had my child or like just anything like that, it was just like non-existent because no one could gather. You know, so I I remember just feeling like really alone in that process. But it's so weird because it's almost like. I had a baby at the best part of like life that I could have possibly had it at in the weirdest way, because the world stopped for everyone, not just me. <laughs> I wasn't really missing anything yet. I was missing everything, which which is strange um, as far as the mother and woman experiences, like yoga, all the little pregnant yoga, pregnant weird classes, mommy, all that was canceled. So I just I didn't get the full experience of like just a lot of shit. <laughs> um, so that was hard to adapt to, but it, it, it just became life. Yeah. Amari says her first reaction to having a baby and the pandemic and all our canceled shows and inability to meet up was sheer panic. Miedo y paranoia por todas partes. I think there's a lot of different faculties when, when you become a parent in general that your whole mind chemically, like literally chemically changes. And I think... I went into like a panic mode because I felt like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do it? Like, how am I gonna make sure he's good? Like, I don't have a real career outside of music, to be honest with myself. Like, and it was just like, okay, I can't do any shows. Like, can't we are not selling anything? We're not doing anything. Like, what's happening? So, it was a lot of honestly fear-based emotions going through my head. But after a few months, Amari found her rhythm. And she used any downtime she could find outside of baby duties to jump right back into music. Yeah, she actually got more serious than ever about music and did things like invest $5,000 in her little music studio upstairs. Damn! Like, I got a new laptop, you know, I got the new midis. I think musically speaking, like, I felt like I have to give it my all. Like, if I don't do this, not to say I'm not good at other things or that I don't have other experience or whatever, but like... Now is the time to turn it on because now you have something to be on yourself and in, in God and all the things you care about. You have someone and something that's relying on you to get shit done. So I think musically my relation became like more like, okay, how are we getting this off the ground? How can I be of more assistance to like Alan and the whole process? Like, you know, what can I do to better serve my my family it, within within music? Um, because, again, everything had stopped, so it was just a really weird process. Yeah. Amari started working on a solo album that's been floating around in the back of her mind for years now. This is a demo from that solo album called Fuchsia that she's releasing late next year. Noise, I love this song. Alongside the new album, 
Amari also used the pandemic to start working on building a female music production collective, Pretty Badass. So Amari and I were able to meet up once in a while through the early days of the pandemic since we were both on the same side of the border. And actually, once I realized I could cross, I started crossing down to see Jimmy too every couple of weeks. But it wasn't until almost seven months went by, with Amari mostly being at home alone with her baby, that she finally felt ready to cross the border again to see Jimmy. As soon as I could really, really get out and I felt like, it's okay. Like, I'm getting out this house. Like, I fucking been in this house for months. Like, I know I have a young son, but I need to get out this fucking house. I need to see Jimmy. I went and saw Jimmy. And, yeah, it was a trip. He even looked different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He looked different. He smelled the same. <laughs> good. He smells really good. <laughs> but I'm... You never know. Yeah, yeah, you never know. But he, I'm not going to front on Jimmy. He do smell good. Um... But yeah, you know, but there were still different things about him. And I was like, wow, Jimmy's growing up. Like, he's becoming a grown-ass man. So, yeah, that experience was dope, though, because I think we all were probably questioning a lot of things. Not even just about, like, the music and when it's coming back, but just within our own band. Like, there was probably some weird... I mean, at least for me, I know I was questioning a lot because I'm in my house all day and that's all I can do is fucking assume. But I just, I was hoping, like, damn, I, I know I just have this baby and, like... You know, they say it's good, but what if it's not? You know, this little shit, this little shit that was building up on my heart. And, um, you know, uh, when I went and saw Jaime and, and just like we we're all together again, it just felt like it was yesterday. Like nothing really changed. Like at least internally, nothing really changed. Like, yeah, there's been some time. Yeah, it's been difficult. Yeah, people were working on solo shit because fuck, we had no choice and we couldn't even see each other. But ultimately, it still felt like the brotherhood that it always felt like since the jump. Did you happen to look at the line length today yet? Uh, so I was walking by and I think it's gonna be probably like two hours, probably, so. Okay, so last time we all sat in a car in the borderline and recorded Jimmy crossing the first time after COVID restrictions were lifted, we actually never made it across. Yeah, the line was ridiculously long that day, and we got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy actually ended up having to cross with his aunt a few days after that, so we didn't get to capture his first-time crossing experience. But we did get to record him a few days later as he crossed for the first time in nearly two years to do music stuff with Tulengwa again. Hey. Ready? Let's go. Vámonos. Vámonos. Right now we are in. What's this? This area called La La Colonia Federal. Yeah, we are at La Colonia Federal. We just got some coffee. It's pretty good from Nativo Coffee Community. And we're about to cross the border. Crossing the border. Yeah. <laughs> Crossing the border. Plus, we're fun people, so. 
So the second crossing attempt was shorter, but the borderline was still pretty long. I think there's still longer lines right now because of a bottleneck of all those people like Jaime who haven't been able to cross in almost two years. Wow. Second take of trying to cross the border with Tulengua. <laughs> still super fucking long. The challenges of having a binational band. Huh? Damn. Without sentries. We are going far for this. Back, back, back. We did eventually make it through to the U.S. It took us about three hours. <laughs> yeah, and actually, Kinsey and I, who both have the Century Fast Pass that allows you to cut the long line, ended up ditching you and running through the border traffic so we could go pee. Yep, that happens to the best of us. Anyway, spending all that time in the borderline with Jimmy that day reminded me of pre-pandemic times. Specifically, the huge role that actual borderline and waiting in it has played when it comes to our cross-border band. One of my favorite things I'm remembering now about Tulengua, most of our bonding in the first, like pre-pandemic, was in the borderline, like talking about most of the, like, the ideas about Tulengua and, and dreams and like plans for the future were like actually waiting in line at the border because when we were getting to know each other, I mean, we bonded very quickly. Like immediately as soon as we met, it was like there was a familiar energy between us. But, you know, spending hours in the borderline together for for a couple of years, we would just, that's when you really like get to know someone because you just like, it's just, you just talk, you talk about family, you just bullshit, you just like fuck around because you got to use your board. You know, and like, and dream about the future. And we would talk about Tulangwa and like listen to our demos and listen to our songs all the time in the car. Being this cross border band and like, you know, our music and our, I mean, our whole band formed because of the border and this desire to like have a band that's from both sides of the border. right now at Livella Bookstore in Barrio Logan and this is Sub U which is a live event with Tulengua and a lot of artists who are gonna sing and play music for us and just heal our energies. Come alive, baby, we come alive. Maybe we can cry in limbo. Maybe we can take it slow. Treating out that open window. This was Tulengua's first show back together again. We haven't played a show together in like two years. But Tulengua, this is Tulengua plus Jacinto, who's a new member of the live group. 
So this is the first time we've been on a stage together in almost two years. Jimmy had crossed the border in a long time. Jimmy has changed. So we're very happy to be here. Hey, it was very perro. I really loved it. Thank you. It felt just really beyond words and so incredible to be back together on stage again. So this episode wraps up our season on artists and musicians at the border. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, go to portofentrypod.org and get yourself caught up. Today's episode is also the last episode written and produced by Kinsey Marlene. She is moving on to a new job and we are super sad, but we will miss her and we wish her all the best of the world. Todo lo mejor. It's also our sound designer, Emily Jankowski's last show. She, too, is moving on and leaving us all alone. <laughs> Why the show that? just won't be the same without her and her magic touch. We're gonna miss you so much, guys. Thank you for everything. And with all this change, Port of Entry will pause for a bit as we figure out our future. But we promise you we will be back. So don't worry and no nos extrañen mucho, okay? Hmm. Now, for our credits, Alisa Barba is our editor. Lisa Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is the interim associate general manager of content. Adrián Villalobos was our technical director for this episode. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. I'm Alan Lilienthal. And I'm Natalie González. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.